Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share.
I don't know if we have time to recap because we do have to end at 11. Uh, all right, go ahead. Go for it. We're good. Okay. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I figured uh, what might be a nice way would be as people before they... they Roger, everyone, and some people might be on mute, by the way. Uh, yeah, I, I'm uh, Roger Cochilla. I'm the president of Democratic World Federalist. Put out, put out uh, DWF News. Uh, our point of view is a little more long range. We think we need a new United Nations because the UN Charter prevents us from getting peace. And in this discussion, I hope we can bring in the UN more and maybe get their help in some manner to uh, get this breakthrough with the deep state. The other thing that comes to mind is uh, we need a, a major media outlet to start talking friendship and to change this narrative of the deep state, which demonizes Russia, demonizes China, and it's hell-bent to keep trying to conquer the world. So that's uh, my two bits worth at this point. Okay, I'm uh, Jeremy Kuzmarov. Yeah, I'm the managing editor of uh, Covert Action Magazine. And, uh, yeah, I studied U.S.-Russia relations, uh, and I traveled a bit in Russia. And uh, yeah, in 2018, I published a book called with John Marciano, The Russians Are Coming Again, because I was a historian of the Cold War. And actually, I found the kind of McCarthy-type environment in higher education, and I was basically removed from universities uh, for teaching you know, what Matt was saying, you know, uh, you know, teaching about Henry Wallace and that there was an alternative for cooperation and teaching about the horrors of the Cold War, uh, by the U.S. and, you know, intervention in so many third world countries on the pretext of fighting the communists, uh, whether it was McCarthyism here at home or the blacklisting, and they didn't seem to want that being uh, taught uh, to students. Uh, and now I'm the managing editor of Covert Action Magazine, and we tried to cover the war in Ukraine uh, from a critical point of view. Yeah, in my book, I warned what I saw was that the new new Cold War, the, the polar opposite of the elf spirit, uh, was coming back uh, even you know harder than before. And there's so many trends, uh, uh, you know, being revived from the Cold War, from the dark ages of, of McCarthyism. And I tried to warn in my book, the Russians are coming again, about how they exaggerate the Russian threat, demonize the Russians. And, you know, in my education, I studied Russian history. And it wasn't until I read a book by Ron Rittenauer called The R Russian Peace Threat, which is a good book, I think. Uh, you know, it didn't get a lot of attention. things about communism and I mean some were true but uh, you know every country has some bad things in their history but nothing positive was ever taught really uh, so yeah there's this bias in education and the media and yeah I tried to warn in my book of course not that many people may have read the book but uh, yeah I, I, at the end I advocated for a unity of conservatives and uh, it doesn't really matter your political point of view on, on issues like taxation or other issues, but that people have to come together from across the political spectrum uh, and promote uh, peace, peaceful relations, uh, and to counter this dominant uh, narrative. And I did see something positive in February. I tend to be amidst the terror. I mean, we are living in, I think, a new kind of dark age you know, as far as the political climate. 
Uh, on the other hand, there is some pushback. Uh, in February, I was at the Rage Against the War Machine rally in Washington, and I did see a very positive spirit there, and I saw groups of different political persuasion coming together, many uh, conservative libertarian as well as more left-leaning uh, Democrats who are all unified against the war in Ukraine and the huge uh, military spending, uh, billions of weapons that have gone to Ukraine. Uh, so I think that's something we could build off and try and tap into uh, in this group. And, and I think there is the hope for a broader movement. And I think many are concerned about the threat of nuclear war uh, and the runaway arms race that's developing. So I think there is potential for a larger social movement to develop. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Marty, I know you have something in your mind. Or Fox? <laughs> you're, you're on mute though, Marty. Yeah, you're, you're, you're definitely on mute, Marty. There we are. Sound clear? Yep. I was going to say, coming from my part of Ireland, uh, we produce a lot of religious people, but not many Trappist monks. Nobody takes the vow of silence in the part of Ireland where I'm from. Uh, I'm glad... Uh, he put me on after Jeremy because it makes it much easier for me. I agree with everything Jeremy had to say, first-class analysis. And I think it, it, it's especially worthwhile, Jeremy, to, to listen closely to what you said. Because uh, uh, with all due respect, Roger, if we go your way, we will lose. And we have lost for 20 years and we will continue to lose. Because this, this is not an old-fashioned left versus right situation. It just is not. That is ancient, antiquated thinking that went out at the end of the Cold War in 1989. The biggest push for war unquestionably now comes from the liberals, the so-called soft left, which, of course, there's nothing soft about them. There's nothing traditionally left about them. But that's their label. That's how they see themselves. The Bidenites and the, the, uh, the neoliberals, all the rest of them. And the counter push is out there. And as Jeremy says, it's coming from all over the place. The old left and the old right are both dead. Everything is splintered. I would play repeatedly and said to everyone I know, and I'm going to show my antiquated age on this, of course, Bob Dylan singing. Actually, Joan Bias does it better with her voice, but he wrote the words, the lyrics, the music. The times, they are changing. Better change now, or you think like a stone. I'm paraphrasing slightly here. Come, come, all you congressmen, senators, please heed the call. See the writing on the wall. Bob Dylan, only a year or two ago, was validated with a Nobel Prize for Literature. These are powerful prophetic words. They are more true now than they were in the 1960s. We are seeing what we saw in the 60s and 70s, but on a much more profound scale if we live long enough to see it. And that is a complete restructuring of politics in the United States, a complete restructuring of political perceptions and alliances in the United States. I was discussing this with a, an, uh, an old friend a few days ago, and we were just, and this is a guy on the ultra right, I would have said, a, a retired senior army officer, and his heroine was Tulsi Gabbard. He felt she was the most principled, intelligent, clearest, most uh, strongly charactered person out there. And we, he, he also agreed that he liked very much, although he disagreed on, on a number of issues with him strongly, on the key issues of war and peace and restructuring of society and the economy, he also went with Robert Kennedy. And this is a conservative guy from the right of the army. Uh, uh, officer class talking like this. These are the kinds of changes we need, the kinds of perception changes that we need. And we're seeing it out there, but it's all scattered. And one thing Roger said, I think is, cr is crucial, but it's easier to say as an aspirational to bring a cap about. And that is, uh, we've just seen Tucker Carlson fired from Fox 
great pressure was brought on Rupert Murdoch, who protected Tucker Carlson, let's remember, for 20, 30 years and is now in his mid-90s. What kind of pressure was brought to bear on a man like that, on a billionaire, on an Australian-American billionaire, who's supposedly one of the wealthiest people in the world, but is now exceptionally old and presumably frail? Where can we find a counter-source on either the right or the left? And I stress here, we're looking at people from the new right and the new left. I find Elon Musk, for all the negatives you can see in him, is his own man. He's questioned. I, I, I would worry about his life expectancy prospects. He's saying too many things on vaccination and other things that are politically incorrect. He's stepping out of line too much. Tragic air crashes happen all the time, as you especially know, Matt, monitoring these things. But basically, we need to get, we, uh, Roger is right on that, we do need to find a, or put together a, secure, a, a new platform that we can defend against the pressures that will be brought to bear upon it. But we don't have it now. We're a long time away from getting it. But if we could get one up and running, then the nature of the debate and the political dynamics in America would change fast. Thank you, Ed. Fox, uh, I know you had something uh, on your mind. Yeah, I figured I would just jump in if, uh, if no one else wanted to. Um, but hi, um, thanks for having me. Privyet uh, to uh, the Russian viewers out there. Uh, it's a real honor to be included in this. Uh, I've always felt, well, first of all, I'll say that I'm, I'm from New York's Hudson Valley. Um, upstate New York. Uh, I have a media project called Space Commune where I do documentaries, essays, podcasts. Um, but yeah, it's an honor to be here because um, I've never felt anything but love towards, um, you know, the Russians. I, you know, as a child growing up in the 80s and 90s, uh, all the cartoons made the Russians the bad guys, right? All the movies and the cartoons made the Russians the bad guys. But I never, never quite understood that. One of my best friends, um, growing up in high school, moved here from Belarus, and he didn't speak a word of English. So, um, you know, it was, I, I got to know Russian people, and I have Russian heritage, I never, I never quite understood. Um, and then also, you know, looking at the history of our country, uh, our greatest moments in American history are when we worked together with Russia. Um, our American Revolution, the Civil War, World War II, which is what this event's about, which is great. Um, you know, we, we do much better things uh, when we're working with Russia. Um, another thing, too, is that I think that uh, what's unfortunate is that the American people are not allowed to hear uh, Vladimir Putin speak. Uh, I think if they were allowed to hear the man speak, that they might change their opinion of him. Um, he's turned into this monster uh, in the American media. But when you hear him speak, he, he genuinely cares about his people. He's a, he's a principled person. He's, a, he's smart. He's, um, rational, uh, you know, and, and that's a breath of fresh air to hear because, uh, here in, in the U S we're so used to our, our leaders. We have, uh, you know, mumbling, bumbling Joe Biden. Um, you know, since, since I've, been around right every president in my lifetime has just been one after the other of, of bullshit and, and more bullshit so here's somebody here's who's some coherent, coherent like um uh, vladimir putin, putin is, is is refreshing, refreshing and i think if the american people could hear a leader like that could actually hear what he has to say they'd say wow we could actually have somebody of this caliber uh you know in, in our country um, it um, might it open might people up to, to um, uh, the, potential the potential that we have in our country. I think that's, I think that's, that's a big problem, problem for Americans is that we don't, we don't see any – we're, we're taught to not see any kind of potential in the future. Um, and we have to we have to move away from that. Americans are so depressed and so sad. We know our country is going in the wrong direction. Um, yeah, and as far as – you know, opening up relation uh, relationship with Russia. I, I don't know how to get there, but I'm I'm excited to work with people who want to get there because I want to do everything we can. I certainly promote on my channel as much as I can. I promote friendship between um, America and Russia and America and China, and I think that we need to join in with the multi emerging multipolar world. That's the only way Americans are going to save our country 
um, is if we actually join with these other countries um, that are leading this new new paradigm. So yeah, that's all I have to say for now. Thank you, Fox. And there's, there's a weird echo, echo with the background. I don't know what B or C or C if there's a, a, if there's a, a solution, solution for that. For that. That's not on my side. My side. Um, um, okay, uh, Dimitri, we'll try to resolve that. Uh, you have a, a thought here as well? Sure. Sure. sure, Matthew. By the way, I didn't. I wasn't hearing that echo, so it might just be on your side. Um, in any event, uh, thank you very much for having me here today. It's a pleasure to join you all. Um, for you, if you don't know who I am, uh, name is Dimitri Lascaris. I'm a lawyer by profession uh, with about 30 years' experience, and I spent most of that time uh, being a class actions litigator, and uh, really focused uh, a great deal and had to in my practice on dispute resolution and learning to look, speak the language of dispute resolution in high stakes, complex disputes uh, in which there were rather fiery emotions because people's reputations and large sums of money were on the line. Um, and I've been appalled at the lack of appreciation in the, uh, <laughs> I hesitate to use the term, diplomatic core of Western states for the need uh, for a diplomatic dialogue and an understanding of how to conduct that kind of a dialogue. Uh, so I came here, actually, I'm now in Moscow, uh, and I came here on April 1st uh, for the first time in my life. Uh, I ran to be the leader of the Green Party of Canada in 2020. Uh, I finished uh, second uh, with 45% of the vote, vote, and I was explicitly campaigning on my credentials as an eco-socialist. And there were numerous people who supported me who said they urged me to drop that label. And I resisted. Uh, and um, I've come to view this whole question of left and right. Uh, and this is why I wanted to speak, really, because the comments about it were quite interesting to me, those who that have been made thus far. I come to, I've come to view that distinction much more differently than I did at that time. And I'd like to think that I've matured in that regard. And, uh, and, and really to uh, sort of drive home <laughs> how Differently, I think about that distinction today. I'll mention that yesterday uh, in Canada's, uh, I, I would say, leading right-leaning newspaper, it's called the National Post. It's the flagship newspaper of the uh, largest newspaper publisher in Canada. Um, they published a front-page article uh, attacking me as a Putin apologist uh, and uh, claiming that uh, I had come here to Russia in order to whitewash the crimes of the Russian government. And in it, uh, to my amazement, the current leader of the Green Party. Uh, but that was kind of the nail in the coffin for me of this whole, <laughs> you know, effort that I've been making politically over the years to identify as eco-socialist. And I, I think a light bulb went off in my head when I saw that in writing yesterday on the front page of the National Post. And I think the way we should be framing this discussion is not as a discussion about the left versus the right, because very clearly uh, the people who describe themselves as the center are the ones who are driving this existentially dangerous and corrupt and heinous, unspeakable war. And those of us who are typically associated as being on the fringes of the left and the right are are driving the peace movement to the extent we have one today. Uh, and I think the way we should conceptualize this is uh, actually uh, as a distinction between extremism and moderation. We on the left and the right who are arguing for dialogue and peace are the moderates. And the ones who are holding themselves out as the center are the extremists. Uh, and that, for what it's worth, is the language that I'm going to be using henceforth. Uh, so thank you again for uh, inviting me into this conversation. Thank you, Dimitri. You know, I'd like to just add a point here. Um, I don't want to cut ahead of anybody, but I'd like to just add, you know, um, what Dimitri just said reminded me of something that just happened, which is that I don't know if people are aware, but there's a group called the Uhuru Movement. Um, they're a small group of black socialists uh, in the South and lo located in the South United States. And they're facing prison time now uh, for being labeled as, you know, uh, Russian allies. They're they're being targeted. Um, so now, our one of our most precious rights, 
which is freedom of speech, uh, is now being uh, impinged upon here in the United States just for being um, friendly towards Russia. And so now is a really important time to create these relations. And also, you know, I was at the Rage Against the, the War Machine rally, and you're right, the left and the right, it's all bullshit. It's, it's media spectacle. Most people in the United States are, don't hate Russia. So I, I think it's a matter of getting to the, the, the real grassroots of people. Jeremy, if you were saying a word just now, yeah. you're, you're on mute. Uh, yeah, I, I put in the chat because I just did an article on this. Uh, you know, is this man a Russian a uh, agent uh, operating in St. Louis? Uh, it was just published yesterday about this case you were talking about, this black uh, group that was targeted uh, and accused of being Russian agents. And they it's sad because they've done a lot uh, in East St. Louis. Yeah, he's from East St. Louis. And I live in Tulsa, and there's a similar problem where in the north of Tulsa, the black community is really uh, impoverished and underdeveloped, and you know, they had the Tulsa race massacre. And I think it's similar in St. Louis. And this guy's actually doing a lot. They they develop black-owned businesses. They build basketball courts, you know, for kids so they're not uh, causing trouble and joining gangs. I mean, they're actually doing some really positive things, and now they're attacked as Russian agents and they have to raise money for legal defense so they can't help out their community and it's it's sad and uh yeah this is what's going on it's like another Coinel pro so uh and I also did an article I'll put on, on this leak with Jack Texera and then they spin it to try and blame the Russians and it seems to be some kind of undercover uh intelligence operation when this they they invented this online persona of this Donbass Davushka, but she was actually a Navy uh, veteran and uh, an American. She had a fake Russian accent, and they were trying to claim in the Wall Street Journal's reporting that she was behind the uh, the, the leak. That's how Tixera got the document. I think they were trying to spin it to make it look like Russia was leaking these documents that are embarrassing about the war in Ukraine. It's like. You know, it's like in Vietnam where the documents show the U.S. side is not winning and, you know, Ukraine is uh, air defense is, uh, is limited and, and, you know, the war is not going like they say, but they're trying to spin it like uh, the Russians are behind this leak. So and it just fits what we've been discussing, this long pattern of demonizing Russia and making it into an enemy, an evil force. And most of it is just manufactured. Uh, Uh, Bruce. Bruce, Matt, thanks for inviting me here. And I, uh, I do uh, marketing for Chris Milligan at trynday.com, Trynday Publishing, many, many, very, very. And I got my first book published a couple of years ago and started to do a lot of podcasting. And um, um, it just occurs to me the basics. The Nazification of the planet of the West, the the capture of definitely the United States uh, by the, this tyrannical agenda. Call it neocon. Call it you know the empire. You know you can see it through history, especially as you enjoy the work of Rising Tide Foundation. God bless you, Matt and Cynthia, and everyone around you. And the doomsday clock being at ninety seconds. The uh, urgency of our times, the stating the obvious, the need to do all we can every single day to spread the word about the truth, the reality of the, of the, of the fraud, of the danger, of the corruption, of the clown show, and immerse, I think, as a common denominator for Americans, I'm an American and talk to the, to the potential still of America, as a foundational drum to bang, it's the ideals of the American founding because they're hand in glove with the golden rule. And to challenge ourselves and everyone we can every single day to the utmost, to embody those literally every second of every day, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And imagine we all have rights. Imagine that this world really, really works when we do consult with negotiate with, honor each other's rights, 
and like adults handle the truth of the enormity of the evil that we're up against and and find and really ponder all that can inspire and give us hopes about the nature of reality, the power of thoughts, intentions, and prayers from the mystical to the quantum physics. It's so urgent to, to bang these drums every single day as much as possible. A couple of tangible things. The um, Trine Day has sponsored a, a big project called the Roundtables. They're free Zoom events. Here's the resource, and you can learn about the following things. The resource is a site called valediction.net, valediction.net, tab called World Peace. There is a proposal for world peace based on economic justice. Someone was talking earlier about economic stuff. This is a celebration and a bringing forth of the old economics of Henry George from the 1800s here in the United States. His book, Progress Versus Poverty, about taxing the land, taxing unearned income. There's also this charming new open letter to King Charles III on his coronation, challenging him to imagine the earth belongs to everybody and to do right by all of humanity. Assuming that there's something inside that isn't a sold-out transhumanist eugenicist hell-bent on depopulating the planet. And uh, before the end or after the end, Matt, whatever you could do or provide or say about equipping us all to be in touch with each other or just, you know, because, you know, I thought Jeremy's name was familiar. Boom. He says he's with Covert Action Magazine, that kind of thing. Dimitri, I took a couple of notes on you, you know, so just to find and follow each other, you'll provide all you can. Maybe it'll be in the show notes when this thing goes live. And um, happy Elb Day. Thank you, Bruce. And yeah, definitely, we're going to have everybody's links to their work in the uh, the description of the recording um, when the video is on Rumble and YouTube and everywhere else um, where it's being streamed right now. But we'll make sure that all of these these links are right there. Uh, Dimitri also po pointed out that he's been uh, writing articles uh, documenting his travels, his experience and observations in Kherson in uh, Crimea, which are available on his website. Um, so that'll also be very easy to find under this video in the description box. Um, I wouldn't necessarily bet the farm on, on Prince Charles being necessarily the guy who's going to make the shift, but I do appreciate the spirit and intention. That's great. <laughs> Alex. Oh, I thought I was muted. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I, I very much enjoyed listening to everything that was said so far by Martin but, and, by, and by Fox and by Jeremy and Dimitri and Bruce, it, it shows that, okay, obviously on this call, everybody's heart is in the right place. But I also think that the phenomenon is a lot broader than we appreciate because as Martin said, we don't have a platform. Well, not in a formal way, but I think that in an informal way, we do have a platform. And I think that maybe that platform is a lot more powerful than we realize because it's the silent majority of silenced people who you know are are being actively dissuaded and intimidated from expressing their opinions but i've been paying attention to the way uh, people uh, look at this big issue and i think that people are wise enough to sense that the conflict between russia and the west is extremely important that it's not just a territorial dispute that it's not just russia being the aggressor and uh, jeopardizing the you know the global order that has given us given us uh, quote unquote 70 years of peace and so i just wanted to um point out several informal polls that i that i came across over the recent months and it's i've i've seen many but these are actually polls with very large numbers and you'll see how people react because these are all um uh, the pollsters are british or american um uh twitter or youtube personalities and so their audiences are i think predominantly western audience and you'll see that in spite of the heaviest propaganda campaign that we've probably witnessed ever, 
and the the most aggressive campaign of demonizing Russia. This is how people actually react when they are not afraid to to report their opinion. So there was a poll which simply asked, which side are you on, Russia or the United or, or uh, Ukraine? And 73.6% of the people said Russia. And the it, this this poll, 37,000 people took this poll. Another poll said, asked, if you had to choose between Volodymyr Zelensky and Vladimir Putin, which one would you choose? 77.2% of people said Vladimir Putin. 41,000 people took this poll. Uh, another poll asked, which side would you rather see win, Russia or Ukraine? 73.6% of people said um, Russia. 16,000 people took the poll. And last one, which was uh, on YouTube, by uh, it was a poll by uh, George Galloway. And he asked, is the West to blame for the war with Russia? And 15,000 people responded, 95% of them said yes. They think that it's the West's fault. So I, I believe that our platform is us, you know, because we speak to the people who will listen. And maybe if we manage to, to change a couple of minds, then those people speak to other people who will listen. And I think that that's creating a uh, a chain reaction effect. And I think that over time, uh, the the change of heart and the change of mind is, is I think, uh, overwhelming. So even if we are without a platform, even if they, you know, are so desperate that they will cancel their number one most popular uh, news anchor being Tucker Carlson, they're still losing this battle. And, you know, when an idea whose time has come, comes to the fore, it is unstoppable. I do remember the end of the communist era in Croatia. The, the ruling party was desperate to keep things from imploding. Um, posters started to appear propagandizing people. Um, leaflets and stickers on public transportation would give you phone numbers to call if you heard somebody speak about, you know, uh, things we shouldn't speak about and expressing thought crimes and stuff, so forth. It didn't help. Nothing helped. Everything. And, you know, recall, you know, in, the, in those days, we didn't have the Internet, but still, you know, the people in power had control over the courts, the police, the military, uh, the, the media. They, they had probably much higher degree on control than the current uh, regimes in power in the West. And they still lost. So I think that we are very much on the winning side. And I think that the outcomes are inevitable. And I think that when you, when you, when you strip the issues down to their essence, so you remove all these false narratives about Russia being an aggressor, Russia provoking the war, Russia being... Um, uh, jeopardizing uh, international law or rules-based society and so forth. The, uh, I think that many people will come to recognize that actually between the United States and Russia, they are absolutely natural allies. And that alliance, I think, will happen again in the near future. So I believe that the meeting on the Elba will uh, happen again in a different form. Uh, but in a much more robust form. And I think that right now, the only thing that's standing in the way is the media and the current uh, regime in power in Washington. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. V, did you have a, uh, a thought? Or, or Ed, sorry. Yeah, I don't want to. Well, I, said, I think we are getting close to the end. A uh, couple of announcements. But first, speaking about polls, I think at the beginning, I mentioned about regular folks, and uh, <clears throat> I wish um, people who do the polling that Alex mentioned <clears throat> ask another question. Um, do you want America to be hegemon <clears throat> and uh, what uh, 
Biden, who, by the way, this morning announced he is going to run again uh, as a world leader. Uh, so do you want uh, America to be like this? Or you want America to be just you know, part of this great family of nations on a win-win basis? We all live in peace and, and enjoy this, this planet. So maybe, Alex, if you know those people who conduct those polls, maybe this simple question, because I know that there are polls that between 70 and 80 percent of Americans think that country is going in the wrong direction. This is, uh, uh, you know, it's a gallop in other, other polls. But uh, I wish that we had something more simple question. America is part of the family or America the hegemon? And I, I would be interested to think... see. What they say? I, I will. I will try to get somebody to uh, run that poll. I think that mine would be too small, but I think <laughs> it's an excellent question, and I think I know the answer that most people would would embrace immediately. Well, this is our base. Um, uh, I also want to ask you. Uh, I put it on on the chat uh, at eleven o'clock. Uh, I want you to transfer to another Zoom, and just uh, you don't have to spend your time. Just introduce yourself a uh, couple of words no more than like two minutes uh, most importantly to show the flag of your country uh, where are you and uh, that you enjoy you agree with this Elvis period because uh, we want to produce a joint kind of film from this as i mentioned at the beginning and to, to conclude matt uh, just for a few minutes matt and i produced a video uh, about elba and which mentioned some of the things that we all do. So Matt may ask you just to push this uh, uh, link. I put it on, on the chat. And after that, yes. slowly move into another Zoom. Uh, only takes two, two minutes of your time. Uh, say hello. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, congratulations. This is a great day. Uh, maybe it's a really push for this uh, help spirit movement. We have to really have a movement. Uh, mm -hmm. So far we have a, many people, but it, I don't think we have formal movement. Maybe this is a well, great thing. Mm -hmm. will, will, will the next uh, broadcast be uh, with translations in Russia or will we? Will it doesn't we matter. In English, it doesn't matter. You don't have to, uh, because translation it is just it takes time, technical things. Says okay. in any language, French, Croatia, it's uh, in, in language say just uh, because Elba spirit, it's uh, everyone will understand. They want to show who is with us, you know, uh, who is uh, supporting this Elba spirit. So language at this point uh, is uh, obvious. Okay, thank okay. you for joining. All right, so I'll... push the to YouTube. All right, we'll do. Now, this is a, a composition that Ed Lozanski produced himself. Sound. Sound. Matt, there's no sound. I can't. I cannot hear any sound. There's no sound. No. 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 No sound. No. Mm. So you're just seeing pictures. Okay. Yeah, we're just seeing pictures. That's okay. Av, do you, do you have a, a solution for that? <laughs> okay, pictures also okay. It's a, it's my music, but it's okay. <laughs> pictures. Oh, it's too bad. All right. Well, no, I mean it. <laughs> We don't necessarily if we if i can't get the music showing then it's unfortunate but i'll make sure that the link to your your uh, musical composition with the montage in okay. celebration of all the day is is in the description under the video when we present it online okay. um everyone i i really am very very happy that we we got the ball rolling on this and i'm looking forward to the second segment which will be broadcast uh in russia the the ideas as well i mean that were just recapitulated again and again of the unification of the the humans the actual reasonable moral humans the people who have not lost touch with their conscience um whether they call themselves so-called you know right or left whatever it's meaningless at this point we're humans first 
we all have to live on this world. And when you look as as Fox and and Bruce and uh, Alex and, and so many others had pointed out, when you look at the history of the greatest goods that have happened in the last 250 years, from the American Revolution success to the survival of America throughout the course of the Civil War, throughout the the defeat of this Wall Street city of London funded operation called fascism in the 1940s. Why did that not succeed the way it was intended to succeed with its whole eugenics proto-transhumanist ideology? It was because you had a Russian-U.S. relationship and bond of survival and friendship that involved Catherine the Great organizing the League of Armed Neutrality, Alexander II sending the Russian Navy to the coasts of America as a message to the British to stay out of the war militarily which kept, you know, gave that space to Lincoln to do his battle and do what he needed to do. And uh, that, that, that vision that was shared by, by both, you know, the, the Russians, the Chinese, and the Americans about the post-war world of mutual win-win cooperation, which when Roosevelt died and, and, and Wallace was ousted and Harry Hopkins was, was unfortunately died, um, Stalin said the great dream has, has perished. And uh, this is something which JFK tried to revive again when he offered to have a U.S.-Russian joint space exploration program to break free of the Cold War doctrines of mutually assured destruction. So I really appreciate all of these contributions. And I do think, Ed, you're, we need to keep on doing this. You're right. And create a movement out of this process. Uh, so this is a good educational opportunity. Let me try maybe to click it from my side. Maybe we'll get sound. Let's see. <laughs> maybe. But uh, hold on, I got to give you a uh, uh, sharing capabilities. Uh, One second, uh, make co your your co-host now. But probably this probably won't be broadcast on um, on our YouTube live streams, though. If, if I don't know, V, what do you think, or CJ, what do you what do you you guys are are okay. more knowledgeable? Yeah, we're uh, we're we're simulcasting this um, everywhere. It's it's uh, being uh, blasted out. Okay, so if Ed does a screen share, it, it'll be blasted out with the sound. Oh. Okay, Ed, give it a shot. How that works. I got it. Oh, wait, can you guys hear, hear the, the music? Can can people hear things? No. No. Okay, let me yeah, try I think one it's audio issue on your end. I got it. I got it. I got it on my end. I got it on my end. I know what it was. Yeah, I think it's gonna work now. Okay. Let me know if you hear anything in three seconds. Oh, jeez.
Ed, this one's with the live uh, orchestra, right? Sorry, it was kind of a technical <laughs> double sound. Okay. okay. May, may I just say that was that was that was extraordinary, and it was really quite moving. And uh, yeah. how can I share it? <laughs> I would like to share it as much as possible. Yes, there's a link on the chat. There's a link. I'm sorry, okay. it was kind of a double sound. There was no sound technical thing. Okay, let's tr now try to link to another. Leave this one and uh, go to another Zoom for a very short introduction. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank, thank, you, thank you, Ed. That was awesome. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.